I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you may be seated. I got to tell you a funny story. Let me grab this off my phone. All right, let me pull this up here. This is really good. All right, a Minnesota couple decided they were going to go on vacation to celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary. Now, they're in Minnesota. It's in the middle of the winter, so they decide they're going to go down to Florida, which is where they spent their honeymoon 30 years before. So the husband goes down before the wife, and and he's getting everything ready. He's there a day before she is. So he travels down, gets into the hotel room, and is getting checked in and notices they have uh, a computer, internet in the room. And so he decides he's going to email his wife and give her some last-minute instructions. Well, the problem was when he sent the email, and apparently, no, I, this isn't true. I, but it would be really funny if it was. But anyway, he's going to tell this. He, he sends his uh, wife an email. But what happens is when he's doing the email, he types in the wrong email address by one letter. So the email actually goes to a, a pastor's wife who's retired, and the pastor had passed away a year before, okay? And so it goes to this lady. So she pulls up the email. This is what it says. <laughs> to my loving wife, I've arrived. May 16th, 2003. I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here. (laughs) And you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I've just arrived and I've checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. I'm looking forward to see you then. Hope your journey is not as eventful as mine was. P.S. It sure is hot down here. (laughs) Oh, man. That's pretty good, isn't it? Listen, we're gonna, we've been talking the last few weeks about if we only had 30 days to live. I thought that was appropriate considering what we've been talking about. But, but I want you to know something. This, this series is all about what if you got a report, what if you knew that your life was going to be over within a 30-day time period? And how would you live differently if you knew that was the case? The truth is we would all radically change our lives, most of us. I mean, there's things that we would do differently. And I think, and and I'll tell you, I've been talking to people throughout the week and and some last week as well that are really applying this teaching. I mean, if you woke up in the morning, if you get up tomorrow morning and say, what if this was the first day that I have and I only have 30 left? What would I do differently? I'll tell you what, it would radically transform our, our lives. This series idea comes from the last few weeks of Jesus' life when he was going into Jerusalem before he was crucified. The Bible tells us that he knew his time had come. Jesus knew that there was only a certain amount of time that he had left. And so this study came out of what did he do during that period of time. And I want you to know, if you knew you only had a limited amount of time left, you would be very intentional with your life. I doubt very many of us would go, you know what? 
I'm going to sit down and watch an episode of Duck Dynasty. And I like Duck Dynasty. You know, but I, I'm saying we wouldn't spend our time doing things that in the big scheme of things don't really matter. We would be very intentional who we spent time with and what we did. And we would literally probably count the minutes that we had. And we would invest them very wisely. I want you to understand one of the big things about this series that you need to know. Your greatest asset is not your money. Your greatest asset is your time. You can make more money. You cannot make more time. You can only manage the time that you have. So I really want you, and I'm serious when I say this, I really feel like, and I've talked to to some of the team, Barbie and some of the other team members about this. I'm going to be talking to the board about this more. I want us to live as a church as if the clock's ticking because the truth is it is. But most of us don't act that way. We act like we're going to live forever. And it's not true. There's going to be a time. Each one of you has an expiration date, and only God knows what it is. Each one of you is like a carton of milk. There's an expiration date on you. And only God knows when that is. So why not get the most out of life by living intentionally and living the way that God would want us to? Amen? Let's look at some scriptures today. If you've got your notes, they're also on the screen. Psalm 39, this is the psalmist talking. This is what he says. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. This is the psalmist. It was way back in the day. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. And then the psalmist says this, the word selah. And what that means is pause and calmly think about that. In other words, stop and think about what I just wrote. And so the Bible is telling us that we need to number our days. We need to count our days. And if we'll do that, we'll be more effective. We'll be more fulfilled in life. We'll get our priorities right. Mark 12, 30 in the Message Bible says this, So love the Lord God with all your passion, with all your prayer, with all your intelligence, which is your mind, and your energy, which is your strength. Give God everything that you have. Give him everything that you have. That's Jesus talking. Romans 12, 11 says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor or your passion up, serving the Lord. Stir up that passion in your life. I want to talk to you today about experiencing God. Experiencing God. You know, it's one thing, and and we talked about this Wednesday night. We had had a lot of fun, at least I had a lot of fun Wednesday night talking to the church. I kind of want to rename our pews. Instead of calling them pews, maybe we should call them benches. And, And these benches are like the benches on the sideline of a football field. You guys come in here every week, and I talk to you, and we do different things. But this is really just a place that you sit before you go out and play. This is just a spot, you know, when you look at the benches on the sideline of a football team, there's guys out playing, then they run back, and they sit down, and they rest, right? And they rest for a few minutes, and then they go back out again to play. And it's the same way that this church should be. See, we're not a church that has come, sit, listen We're a church that's come, sit, learn, and do. We're all about getting out there and making something happen. You know, I I hope you guys don't sit out there every week and go, you know, have a little scorecard in your mind. Well, I'm going to give that worship service a 7 out of 10. It was a 7. 
You know, I, I didn't necessarily like Wes's shirt today. It was just, you know, I, I'm going to give it a seven. Pastor Chris, I'm going to give him, you know, a ten and a half. That was awesome. <laughs> you know? But then we leave it at that. It was like, yeah, that was good. And then you go off and it's like you kind of punch your I went to church card and then you leave and it doesn't really have any impact on your life. It's just something you do. We have to be the kind of people that when you come in here, my job is to resource you. My job is to pour into you so that when you leave this place, you're pouring it out everywhere. You're carrying the love of God in your heart. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. He said, go, make disciples. The power and presence of God lives in you. And he, he gives that power to you, not so you can sit here and just come sit. Listen, you, he gives you this power so that you can go. Amen? That's every one of us, wherever we are, school, work, home, especially home. See, some of us can focus so much on what's going around us that our family, which is our primary ministry, gets neglected. Your first ministry, everybody, is to your home. Amen? Say it like you mean it. Amen? It is. That's your first ministry. And so you need to make sure that you, you're loving and serving and giving to your family as well as everybody else. You know, one of the things we try to do in our family is make sure that we do that. We, we try to spend good family time together because, you know, how many of you have ever heard of, how many of you grew up in church? Let me see your hands. Who are usually the craziest kids in the world? Pastors, kids. What? Well, y'all are so fast to say that. <laughs> right? I want to tell you why. Because their families give to everybody else and not to them. Preacher's kids are a hard thing because you see your parents giving out all the time to everybody else. And if your parents are not careful, they don't have anything left for you. And we really work hard in our family to make sure our kids know that they are loved. And they're our first priority. If I win the world but lose my family, I haven't gained anything. Amen? So I love my kids. Trish and I love the kids and we pour into them. But it's the same for you. I don't want you to be so busy serving everybody else that you neglect your own kids. God doesn't call you to do that, right? I mean, for me, I can look around and I see Taylor up here leading worship and I see Kennedy and Miles and they're serving and that's what I want. I want my kids to love God in the church, not be mad at them. And it should be the same for you, amen? Some of you probably grew up in a situation where every time the doors open, you had a drug problem at church. Your parents drug you to church every time. They drug you in, drug you out. The truth is, I want you to love the church because that's what it's about. Amen? That was just a little mini sermon. That was free today. I'm not even going to charge for that. So here's the big question. If you only had 30 days to live, how would you spend it? How would you spend it? I'm going to talk to you today about experiencing God. Look at your notes, and here's number one on your notes. If you only had 30 days to live, I would encourage you to, number one, do something drastic. Do something drastic. In other words, take a risk. Why? What can happen to you if you only have 30 days to live? Right? You're going to die anyway. Thank you. I mean, if you only got 30 days to live, you might as well live a little bit, right? You might as well do something drastic. And the reason most of us don't do things drastic is not because we're necessarily scared physically something's going to happen. We're scared of what people think of us. You know what the number one fear in the world is? Public speaking. There are literally, amen, 
No, they were, amen. Did I say that loud? <laughs> you know, there are some of you in this room that if I said, hey, come up here real quick, you would literally rather die than step on this platform. Wouldn't you? I would ask you to raise your hand, but you're scared to do that. You know, I mean, it's, but, but that's the truth. I mean, they're, they're literally, that's the number one fear. There are people that literally would rather die than do that. But if you only had 30 days to live, would you really care? That's why old people don't care what they say. <laughs> that's the ugliest dress I've ever seen. Mom, well, that's true. You know, I mean, they don't care. I'm going home to Jesus tomorrow, you know, whatever. <laughs> But if you knew you only had 30 days left, you would live drastically. You would be willing to take risks. Why not do it now? Living is not hiding. Hiding is hiding. Living is being out there a little bit and taking risks. Some of you have loved and you've had your heart broken and you said, I'll never do that again. I was one of those. But that's not living. You gotta live, you gotta step out here and you gotta be willing, you gotta be vulnerable. Everybody say vulnerable. It's hard to say, isn't it? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, what Pastor said. <laughs> you know, you got to be vulnerable. You got to be, and say, Pastor, that can, I can get hurt. Yeah, but you're never going to live back here. That's not living. Be willing to take some risk. Remember, Jesus said he'd be with you. Always. He's with you. All right, now listen, I'm going to tell you a really cool story. This is out of uh, Luke 5, 18 through 20, 24 through 26. One of the coolest stories in the Bible. Are you ready? Here we go. Some men carrying a paralytic man on a mat tried to take the sick man into the house that lay and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Let me paint a picture. Jesus was in this town and he was preaching. People were starting to see the miracles and hear about what he was doing, so big crowds would come, right? And what happened is these four guys had a friend that was paralyzed. He was sick. And so what they did, they, they got together and they said, you know what, we gotta get him to Jesus because Jesus can heal him. So these guys took him to where Jesus was and the crowd was so big, it was even out in the yard, they couldn't get to the door. So you know what they decided to do? They decided they're gonna crawl up on the roof. They're gonna tear a hole in the roof and they're gonna lower their friend in front of Jesus. There, there's something that I didn't put in the notes. Wouldn't you like to have friends like that? I mean, really. I mean, these guys... I mean, some of us have friends that walked up and went, oh, big crowd. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Right? Looks like it might rain. We better stay home. Right? These guys carried him, the four of them, and they got him up on the roof, and they tore a hole in the roof and lowered him down in front of Jesus. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? We need people like that in our lives. You need people that will pray for you. You need people that will carry you. Not people standing on the sidelines going, well, he deserved to be sick. You should have seen what his mom and daddy did. If he wasn't such an idiot, that wouldn't have happened to him. We need people in our lives that know our faults but love us anyway. 
and they're willing to bring us into the power and the presence of God. And that's the kind of friends these guys were. All right, so listen. When Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? The friends. We don't even know if this guy was awake yet. We don't know. I mean, Jesus talks to him in a minute. But, but when Jesus saw their faith, hmm, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. But you, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Immediately, the man stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe, and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. Isn't that awesome? Do something drastic. These guys wouldn't take no for an answer. These guys said, we got to get our friend to Jesus. we got to do whatever it takes to get him there. And they did. And they got him in there. And, and because of their faith, because of the fact that they stepped out, their friend got healed, and they got to see a miracle. And can you imagine how cool they were the rest of their lives? Hey, y'all remember that time? They were out playing checkers or something. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember that time we climbed up on the roof? Yeah, it was awesome. And we lowered G. Yeah, they're high-fiving. Let me ask you this. Can you imagine what happened to their families when they went home? They said, I got to tell you guys what happened. We took George up there and we lowered him through the roof and Jesus healed him and we got to experience that. And Jesus said, because of our faith, he got healed. And it changed their families. I bet they were telling that story in their families for generations and generations. Do you remember that time? But see, it's not just for way back then. Jesus is still in the healing business today. He's still doing that. He's still doing that. So here's the question. If you knew you only had one month to live, how would you live your life? Here's a couple blanks I want you to look at. Number one, you need to realize what's important in your life. You need to realize what's really important. And let me just give you an answer there. You can put a little parentheses. You can write this on your notes if you want to. Here's what's important. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people. I'm going to talk in the next week or so. I'm going to do a sermon as part of this series called Legacy. What happens when you're gone? What's, what did you leave behind? Because here's the thing. When you get up to heaven, you know what's going to matter? Two things. Your relationship with God and what you did for him, which is his people. That's important. Number two. You need to learn to remove the obstacles in your life. In other words, remove the excuses. I can't do that because fill in the blank. And there's lots of reasons. We have lots of excuses for why we can't do things. I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, I never deal with that one. But I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not skinny enough, I'm too fat, I'm too, you know, I'm not smart enough, I came from a bad, I mean, you can put 10 million reasons why you can't do anything for the kingdom of God, can't you? Some of you go, yeah, I do it all the time. I don't say that out of condemnation, I'm one of those people too. I mean, when God, I want y'all to imagine this, now, now understand, I have a business degree. I did not go to pastor school. I went to business school. You know, I, I had experience growing up in the army. I had all these different things. And, and, and then imagine God coming to you one day and saying, all right, I'm going to send you to Hardy, Arkansas. Lord, where's that at? Well, you're going to like it. 
Lord, that's in Arkansas. I'm from Texas. They will kill me. <laughs> Thank you, Colbert. You know, and, and, and what happens, and we don't even know, and then all of a sudden God calls you to do something. And here's the question that goes through your mind. How do I do that? Um, God? Uh, I got a lot of reasons why this might not be a good idea. And usually the big one is, I'm not good enough. Lord, I don't know how to lead these people. How do I be a pastor? I mean, Lord, I don't have the training for this. I don't have the, and you can go through your life and you can give excuses and I've done the same thing. But here's the awesome thing. It doesn't matter about your, your inability to do something. God does not call qualified people. He qualifies people that he calls. And I look around this room, and I see people that God's put ministry in your heart, and you're stepping out and you're doing it, not because you were trained to do it, but because God told you to do it, and you believed him. The biggest obstacle, the biggest obstacle that you will face in your life is not the devil. It's yourself. And here's what I mean by that. You're going to have to learn to believe God more than you believe your own press. Wow. You're going to have to trust God if he asks you to do something more than what you think. See, these guys that took their friend up on the roof, they realized that if their friend's life was going to be changed, they had to get him into the presence of Jesus. But I want you to understand something. It's no different for you. If you want your life to be changed, you have to get yourself into the presence of Jesus. But if you will put yourself in front of him, the Bible says, Jesus said, I will not cast you out. No matter what. But Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I've failed. Lord, I've been divorced. Lord, I've done this. I've done that. I've done the other thing. Again, the obstacles. Hear me. The Son of God, the creator of the universe, the one who formed you while you were in your mother's womb, who has known you from eternity, he knows your name. He is intimately acquainted with you. He knits you together. The Bible says you are a masterpiece. He also knows that you're a mess. And here's what he did. He came down to earth, took the form of a man, spent 33 years, was tempted, the Bible says, and everything as we are without sin, perfect, allowed himself to be beaten, allowed himself to be hung on a cross for you. So your excuses don't hold up very well. You may have some really good reasons why you think God can't use you, but I'm going to give you the best reason of all. He died and he rose again so that you could be free. Jesus came, said, I came to set free the captives. I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to bring sight to the blind eyes. And then he does this really cool thing. He said, it's good that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And as he's leaving to go back to heaven, he looks at those guys, which is us, and he says, I'm giving you the Spirit. Now go and make disciples. Go do what I did. He even said, greater things will you do than I do because I go to the Father. 
And I look at people like Peter, and I look at all these other guys that were so imperfect, and yet their hearts were tender towards God, and he kept using them. And guys, it's no different for me and you. Forgive yourself. Surrender to him in your imperfection, and let him use you. Do you understand me? Do you understand? Let it go. Amen? Number two, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Luke 5, verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Your faith matters. You can have faith for your friends. Now, they have to receive Jesus. You can't make anybody get saved. That's their individual decision, right? But you know what? You can have faith for them. You can say, hey, Let me talk to you about the Lord. It's not your responsibility to change their life. It's God's responsibility. But you can love them and you can have faith for them and you can believe for them. Listen to me. I wrote these notes. God will always honor his word. And when you obey him and follow his word, he will perform what he promised. You can expect the unexpected. Jimmy, are you in here? Come here, buddy. I sprung this on Jimmy this morning. Wednesday night, we were praying for some folks, and Jimmy was in there, and he he, uh, started telling us a little bit about some of the physical challenges that he'd had the last few years. Tell him what you were dealing with, Jimmy. I was dealing with uh, a virus, a tick you can get from a tick bite, and it was a Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and it's really bad. I think that's the most sick I've ever been in my life. I'd been through different medications, and it just didn't seem to be working. I had it twice, actually. The first time, I was sick for a long time. Didn't even know what I had. I was on medication. It got better. I thought I was going to be all right, but I never completely felt myself. Three years later, a second round of it, and it hit me with a vengeance. It was so bad that I couldn't see I couldn't talk, and I couldn't walk. My wife had to take me to the emergency room, and I was on medication again. I taken the medication, and after I was done with it, I started getting sick again, back on medication again. Went through all that medication. Two weeks later, after taking the second round of it, I was getting sick again. So I asked the pastor and the elders to pray over me. And because I believed the Lord would heal me, he healed me. The next day, it was all gone. It was gone. <laughs> Praise God. And if, and if I remember what you said, you've been dealing with that for six years. Six years. Thank you, Jimmy. Give him a big hand for coming up. Now, here's what's interesting about that. I didn't know that whole story until Wednesday night when Jimmy told me. We prayed for him a while back. God healed him. Wasn't us. It was God. God said, look, if any of you is sick, come before the elders of the church. They're going to anoint your head with oil. They're going to pray for you, and you're going to get healed. Sounds like a good deal to me. And we just believe that God still moves. And so here's the deal. You expect the unexpected. When you do what God asks you to do, you, you can expect him to begin to do things in your life. Here's the problem. What many of us do is we expect God to do something, but we don't do our part. 
For instance, Lord, please bless my finances. Lord, I want Pastor to pray over the lottery ticket I'm bringing him today. Hallelujah. I've been in the gas station and people come up, hey, pastor, a lot of them, I don't even know who they are. What's up? Hey, man, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. Now, listen, if you'll pray over this deal, I will tithe to your church. I've had people say that to me. As if, you know, Lord, you know, right now. (laughs) If you win the lottery, we do want you to tithe. I want to tell you that right now. (laughs) I'll name the building after you. Hey, we'll use that money. We'll take the devil's money, won't we? But listen to me. Listen to me. He's still in the business of doing miracles. And when you follow his word, he will honor his word every single time. When you tithe, when you tithe, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on your life. Why? Because I said so? It has nothing to do with what I say. Listen to me, y'all. Listen, your opinion doesn't mean anything if it doesn't match up with the word of God. Right? Well, so-and-so said, well, who's so-and-so? What do they know? Are they God? No. What do Pookie and them know? They don't know anything. Right? If it doesn't match up with the word of God, people's opinions don't really matter a whole lot. What does God say? And most of us have this thing in our life where we run out and ask everybody's opinion about something instead of asking God's opinion. Right? And then we do things and it doesn't work out and we wonder what the problem was. And then somebody goes, well, what did God say? Oh, no. Did you ask him? No. But I asked Pookie. <laughs> right? As a child of God, you have the ability to go to the word of God and look at it. And when God says something, you can receive that as your word. And he will always honor his word and he will always do what he said every single time so why don't we start there and then go to these other things because when you do that you can expect the unexpected amen number three. Oh, I got plenty of time I got like two hours um, <laughs> number three make time for God Make time for God. There's two words in here I want you to look at. Make and God. Who's supposed to make it? You are. God gives you time like your job gives you money or your parents give you an allowance or whatever it is. You are given that and then it's your responsibility to spend it. God gives you so much time and then it's your responsibility to schedule it and spend it. Right? And for many of us, let me tell you this. I told the group Wednesday night. Y'all remember uh, back, I think it was the week after Christmas, I I put the manger out in the lobby and I said, all right, what gift would you give Jesus? What gift would you like to give Jesus? We're putting the statistics together on that as a staff. We just read probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 the other day. Probably 90% of the ones that we read Okay, what they said they like to give God? Anybody want to guess? Time. I was shocked. I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't go into it expecting anything, but I did not expect that. You know what's interesting about that statement? That's one of the things in your life that you control. 
You know, if we were to sit down together, and I'm willing to do this with you, sit down with you and look at your calendar and, and say, all right, how can we carve out some time every day for God? Um, and if we looked at how much you spent, uh, time you spent, we could probably carve out 30 minutes or an hour, couldn't we? The average American, we looked this up, the average American spends 32 to 38 hours a week watching TV. 32 to 38 hours a week top, watching the television. television. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with TV. I was in the TV business for a while. There's nothing wrong with TV. But, but here's the deal. That's a lot of time. So if you feel like you may not have time for God, then let's look at some of these things. Say, I'm going to cut out some of these shows. I'm going to cut out 30 minutes. I'm going to do this. Maybe you could get up a little earlier. There are things that you can do, Right? But you're never going to see the fullness of God in your life unless you give him time. And guys, as much as I enjoy what happens here on Sunday morning, and as awesome as I think I preach, 45 minutes a week ain't going to cut it. That's not enough for you or me. How many of you eat once a week? (laughs) No, we eat every day, don't we? Why? You have to. That's how you keep your energy up. And that's what we have to do with the Word of God, too. We need to be feeding on the Word of God just like you eat. Amen? Amen. All right. That was free. All right. Luke 5, 19b. In the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. These guys made time. They made time. They took time out of their schedule to take their friend to go see Jesus. Right? We have to make time for God. Mark 1, 35 through 38. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Jesus recognized that he, the Son of God, needed to spend time with God. He who was God realized that he needed to spend time with his father, communing with him. If Jesus did that, how many of you think you should? But notice what he did. He went to a solitary place. He tried to get away so that he could hear from God. And this is such a big deal in our lives. We're the most connected generation in the world. You can be in the middle of nowhere and get cell signal. And have the world at your fingertips. Right? How many of you, how many of you, be honest, and I don't care how old you are or young you are, if somebody took your cell phone away, you would weep like a wee little girl. (laughs) Right there, see? (laughs) Just the thought of that. (laughs) Way to go, Tim. Go ahead and pinch her, buddy. That's awesome. (laughs) We're so connected to these things, we don't even know how to be disconnected. I want to give you a challenge. When you spend time with God, turn this off and put it in the other room. Wouldn't it be wild if you were just sitting there and you were texting God, you know, talking to your friends, oh, I don't really have time to spend with God, and they're like, God texted you. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> put the cell phone away. Spend some time. When you're with your family, put the cell phone away. Some of you are like, I don't like my family. (laughs) 
Put the cell phone away. Make time for God. I'm going to give you a comment here today, and I want to make sure you write this down. Proverbs 10, 27 out of the Living Bible says this. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to tithe your time. I want you to begin to tithe some time every day for, to God. 15, 20 minutes, whatever you can do. Tithe some time. Set some time alone. It will not kill you to set your cell phone down for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and spend some time with God. And here's what's amazing. The Bible says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So if you will make time to do that, God's going to begin to speak with you. Wow. That's his promise. Remember, we trust his word, right? Number four. Keep a reminder. Keep a reminder. I want to tell you this. Altars, altars, things that we have as altars. I mean, right now we have this altar right here, and this is where we put our communion. Uh, when we do communion every month, we set it on here, and, and it says, do this in remembrance of me. You remember when Jesus gave communion to the guys? He said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me, what I've done for you. If you look in the Old Testament, they were building altars all the time. Maybe after a battle or something happened, they would build an altar. Why did they do that? Well, the, the reason they did that is so that when their children would come up to them later and say, hey, what's this here for? They would tell them what God had done. It was a reminder. Listen to this. This is really cool. Luke 5, 24. This is Jesus talking to the paralyzed man. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and what? Take your mat and go home. I wonder if that dude took that mat, walked in the house, after everybody passed out and got up, <laughs> and set that mat in the corner of the house. And when he walked by, he saw that mat. And he remembered what God had done. Kind of like a crutch or something. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that anymore. I want to encourage you in this. Build some altars in your life. When God's done some amazing things, you need to remind yourself. Maybe it's a cross you wear. Maybe it's a, a bracelet you put on. Just something that will remind you, oh, yeah, I used to be that way, but I'm not that way anymore. Remember. You know, one of the greatest things in your life is when you can look back and remember the victories that God has given you. You know, one of the things we do at the backpack deal, you know, it, it just seems invariably we're, gonna co we're coming down to the wire and, and we need $50,000 and all of a sudden, you know, we're a few weeks away and the money's coming in and all this other stuff. And, and Barbie's the, the queen of this. She'll go, to, I'm not worried about it. God will work it out. You know why she does that? Because that's what he's always done. And that's not foolishness. You can look back and you can realize, well, if God did this, he'll do that. I'll tell you one of the greatest stories in the Bible is about that. You remember David when he goes up and he's got his slingshot and he's going to go kill Goliath? And he's talking to King Saul and King Saul's looking at him and says, you're a kid, man. You know what David said to him? Killed a lion, killed a bear. Who's this chump? Right? He remembered what God had done in his past, and it gave him faith for the future. And I want to encourage you in this to build an altar in your life and realize what God has done. And if he did it then, he'll do it now. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he said he's going to be with you, 
He's going to be with you. And you may not know how it's going to turn out or how he's going to do it, but you can, you can believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? This is more than a series. This is a lifestyle. I want us to live like we're dying. I want us to live like we're dying. I want us to live with passion. I want us to live with purpose. I want us to do things because we don't know that tomorrow might be our last day. We don't know. And if we'll live with that kind of passion, we'll accomplish a lot of things for the kingdom of God. We'll accomplish a lot of things. You know, did you know, did you know, we were talking about this this week, did you know that the apostle Paul physically ran to a lot of the places that he went and preached to? He ran. Why? Why? Passion. He was in a hurry. I got to go tell these people. And the longer I wait, the more they're in bondage. So think about this, and I'm not trying to condemn you here at all. But I want you to think about, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. What if tomorrow never comes? And remember, by you not loving people and you not serving people and by you not being the hands and feet of Jesus, they stay in darkness one more day. It's one more day. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that there are those around us that are hurting and they're lost and they may have a smile on their face, but they're brokenhearted on the inside. And by you not reaching out and loving them, they may be staying in bondage one more day. I hope that lights a fire inside of you. You know, I'm in a, in a phase right now where we've been praying a lot and I'm seeking God and I, and I have this, I just feel like we're right on the edge of God just continuing to do amazing more things. I mean, our church grew 33% this last year. God's changing lives and, and you hear the stories of changed lives and that's what drives me. That's my passion. But I know that God's called us to change this region. That there are thousands of people within minutes of here that do not know him that are in bondage, that are lost and are hurting and I wanna know how to reach them. And I've been asking myself this question. What's important to Jesus? And I need to find out what's important to him because what's important to him needs to be important to me. And he's telling me that I need to count my days. And we gotta reach as many as we can for as long as we can so that they can be free too. I love that song. I was listening to Taylor sing it this morning and I wrote this down. That song, Hosanna. In the bridge, it says this, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I have for the kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. I think the big question that's behind the question for this series, why, how would I live my days if I only had 30 days left? This is really the question. How do I live a life with no regrets? Because if you knew, if you knew you had 10 minutes left, you would probably think, I wish I would have forgiven this person. I wish I would have said I love you one more time. I wish I would have called 
But what about this? What if you were able to do those things so that if you knew you were in your final moments, you could say, wow, I don't have any regrets. I made that relationship right. I forgave. I loved unconditionally. You can do that. That's real. The power and presence of God living inside of you can help you do that. But you have to make that decision. You have to make that decision. Jesus has done the work, but you have to receive that. Do you understand me? Let's live like we're dying. Amen. What if we believed God? What if we took him at his word? What if we stepped out in faith? What if we did something drastic? What if we stepped out and God began to use us because that's exactly what he wants us to do? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we can come together, Lord. And I just sense this is a holy moment. These are big questions. I mean, this really, I guess, is is one of the big questions of life. If I only had 30 days to live, how would I live differently? And as we're sitting here in this moment, and this is a holy moment, I really want you to be very brave. And I want you to examine your heart. And I want you to look at your life right now and see, are there areas in your life that, that you know there's some things that need to change? That if you only had 30 days, you'd get it right with God. Why wait? Why put it off one more day? Ah, tomorrow, Lord. Ah, tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today. And I know there are people in this room that have suffered unimaginable pain that I can't even imagine. I I can't relate. Some of you have lived with rape. Some of you have been abandoned in a horrible divorce relationship. Some of you have been abandoned by your parents. Some of you have spouses hurt you. Some of you have watched a child walk away and they're still not back where they need to be. Some of you have walked away from God because people in the church hurt you. And I'm sorry for that. I want you to understand something. God loves you. And Jesus died for you. And that is real. And in this moment, when you look at your life and you examine your heart, I want you to ask that question. God, if I only had 30 days, what would I get right? If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord, today is the day of salvation. This is your day. If you want to accept him as your Savior, if you want to accept him as your Lord, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. I see that hand. You can put it down. I see your hand. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've walked away. And frankly, you've been doing your own thing. People have hurt you. Situations have hurt you. Whatever. And and now you're wounded and you're broken. And and you're kind of upset at God. Maybe you say something to the fact of, God, if you're really God, why did you let this happen to me? I 
want you to understand God loves you and he understands. He didn't do that to you. People did it to you. They also crucified his son. That was us. And he can heal your broken heart. He can take the mess that your life is and he can fix it. So if you're here today and that's you, you've walked away and you need help. You need God to restore you. You need God to touch you. Slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Amen. Let's see those hands. I want to give you a chance today to receive some healing. I want to give you a chance today to receive Jesus as your Lord. I want to give you a chance today to start again. The Bible tells us that when we receive Jesus, we're a new creation. He remakes us. Don't understand how it happens. Just know it's real. He'll put a new spirit inside you. He'll give you a new heart. That's real. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come forward. There's going to be some people down here at the altar that they're not going to judge you because, frankly, some of them have been you. They just want to pray with you. So I'm going to leave the altars open for a minute. Let's just stay in an attitude of prayer as the worship team sings. If you have a need, come to the front. Holy, 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 
Let's all stand this morning. Tonight I'm going to be speaking more on this, on 30 Days to Live, and, and I want to encourage you to come back tonight. We'll be meeting at 530. We're going to spend some time with God, and, and, and I believe He wants to speak to us, guys. I believe he wants to speak to us. There were some people here today that raised their hand for salvation, some that raised their hand for rededicating their lives. So I want us to pray this together. I don't want anybody leaving this place without making that commitment, right? So we're going to join them. Can you do that with me? We're going to put your hands on your hearts this morning. Some of you need to do this anyway, right? Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. You know my heart. I know you love me. That you died for me. And that you rose again. Lord, I need your help. I've sinned. I've hurt people. I've hurt myself. I'm asking you today to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. And be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, God loves you guys. He loves you. When you leave this place, you're his hands and feet. Love people. Don't stop. Don't, don't wish off. Don't wish tomorrow. Don't say tomorrow. Take care of stuff today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. High five three people. Tell them you love them. We'll see you later. <laughs>